All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. We are at a story that one commentator called a game changer. Really? Yes, a game changer. And we're going to see why it's that in a moment. I do want to set your minds at ease. There is a meal that is going to be prepared later today up on this stage. It, it, uh, it's, it's rather an extravagant feast, quite frankly, such that we had to move everything off <clears throat> the stage and they had to set it up early. And yes, those stanchions are to say to you, uh, it's not for you. <laughs> so let's keep away, <clears throat> keep away from it. Speaking of, do you remember going to an amusement park maybe when you were little? Carnival, I don't know. And you go up and you want to ride that ride, and you walk up, and what's there right at the gate of the ride? The, 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 the little animal that's shaped like a ruler, and you go up, and you're not, you don't fit up, and what, you know, I don't know, you're just like, <sighs> off limits to you. You know, on a, on a really more serious note, we only have to go back some 60 years, you all, to <clears throat> remember that there were stanchions in front of water coolers, theaters, Swimming pools, restaurants uh, that said no to African Americans. <clears throat> no, you, you're not welcome here. I have, I, I can't even comprehend um, what that would be to to live with that. <clears throat> it's one thing to, honestly, you know, you're going to grow up, and generally, you're going to meet the ruler requirement, <clears throat> but. To simply because of your race, your nationality, <clears throat> to be denied that which is for everyone, Ugh. to be discriminated in such a way, <clears throat> to be the object of prejudice. The church <clears throat> did not escape this. And I think the better word would be to say the church does not escape this. Listen to John Stott <clears throat> writing of this. He says, The same ugly sin of discrimination has kept <clears throat> reappearing in the church in the form of racism, nationalism, tribalism, <clears throat> casteism, social and cultural snobbery, sexism. All such discrimination is inexcusable even in non-Christian society. And then he says this, <clears throat> in the Christian community, it is both an obscenity because it is offensive to human dignity and it is a blasphemy because it is offensive to God who accepts all without <clears throat> discrimination for those who believe. Now, lest we think it's not an issue for us, I'm not going <clears> to <throat> have anyone share. You know, I can do that sometimes. You're not going to. But I want you to seriously think for a moment about your life, okay? You're not going to tell anybody this. But I want you to, to fall in love with reality, if you will. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself. Is there a person or are there people you, quite frankly, would rather not make it to heaven. That you would rather them suffer the wrath of God because of their 
vile, unmentionable evil and cruelty. I, I will say in all honesty, <clears throat> I have some. I do. And uh, if you do, <clears throat> I would say you're not in bad company, not because of me, but because of the apostles. You see, what we're going to find in our text today is, is honestly, y'all, they had, they, they had racial discrimination, prejudice, and uh, church didn't escape it, doesn't escape it today. And we are going to see how the Spirit deals with it. And we're going to ask ourselves, how do we <clears throat> deal with it in our own lives? Now, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11, but Acts 10 sets us up. I don't want you to go there, and we're not going to read it all. <clears throat> I'm going to summarize it for you. <clears throat> Acts 10 is the story of the conversion of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman Gentile military officer. Um, he is, a, a, for a Jew, a Gentile is a dog. I mean that. It's not, that's what they call him. You're a dog. And that's how they treated them. And we're going to see Corn, chapter 10 is about Cornelius' whole fat family and household coming to faith in Christ. And it, and it posed a massive challenge to the early church. A challenge so big, you all, we won't get there now, but when we get to Acts 15... It's like, look, you're either going to be a Gentile Christian or a Jewish Christian, but we're not mixing. And the church had to decide, is there, are there two people groups in this? Or is it one church and one body? And that's the council of Jerusalem. But Cornelius' conversion helps us understand why this is a game changer. Because I'm telling you, this conversion in particular is where God said, no more, the wall is down. And even though the wall is down, oh my, it's... You know, it's taken them time to move through it, and it even still takes us time. Uh, it begins with Cornelius praying. So here's how the story unfolds. Cornelius is praying. He's a God-fearer. He's not a Christian. He's a God-fearer. He's a Roman who fears God. <clears throat> He's praying. And in this prayer, he sees a, a vision, and there's an angel, and this, this angel says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. I want you to send some men to Joppa, Mediterranean Sea, Here's uh, Israel's over here, Jop, uh, Caesarea here, Joppa's 31 miles down, both of them on the coast, both of them on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And he says, I want you to send men down there. There's a man in Joppa, his name is Peter. He's staying at the house of a man, a tanner, works with leather, named Simon. If you'll go get him, he will come here and tell you what you need to hear. He sends the men. Now, the story goes on, it's interesting, and, and the story says, now... While the men were traveling 31 miles down, Peter was praying. <clears throat> Peter's up on the roof. He's having a prayer time. And I love this, this part. And he got hungry. <laughs> Does that sound like me or you? I'm, gonna, I'm, you know, I'm actually hungry. I think I'd rather eat than pray. He got hungry. And uh, he sees a vision. And this vision is nothing he's ever seen. This giant sheet comes down from the sky. It comes down. And when it gets down here and he looks in it, there's all these animals in there. Okay? Animals that are unclean, animals that a Jew has, does not eat. You don't eat those, God said, because they're unclean. And, and, and this voice comes, and it says, you know, Peter's hungry. I think that's funny. And, and God says, okay, Peter, kill and eat. 
It's like, here, here's something to eat. And what does Peter say? No, there's no way I'm eating that. That's unclean. I've never touched anything unclean in my life. God, I don't eat that food. Something about threes with Peter three times. Bada-boom, bada-boom, bada-boom. Three times it comes down to Peter and says this. And then it says right when, right when that finished, he goes downstairs. We're going to pick up the story from Peter's lips now in um, chapter 11. The reason why I want to go to chapter 11 is chapter 10 is the third person account. Chapter 11 is the first person account. And so we're going to read from Peter's vantage point, let me tell you what happened. And, and what's so beautiful about this is, y'all, we are not going to have any trouble interpreting this passage. Why? Because Peter interprets it for us. And the question before us is, will we apply it? Will we believe it? And will we live it? Okay, Acts chapter 11. Follow along with me in your Bibles, verses 1 through 18. It's three parts. There's the accusations, then there's the explanation, and then there's the transformation. So, you know, an accusation comes at him, verse 1 through 3, then this explanation, then transformation. Follow along in your Bibles. It begins, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. That means they heard that they'd heard about Cornelius, received the word of God. That means they heard that these Gentiles had become Christ's followers. They received the word of God. They trusted the message. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, geographically, you go up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. How about that? There's the accusation. Peter's coming up to Jerusalem to tell him what happened with Cornelius. He walks in the door, and rather than, oh my gosh, we've heard this is amazing. He opens the door, and they go, hey, you heard what you did with uncircumcised men? So they're accusing him. Now, the issue for the circumcised believers, by the way, some say that's a small group in the church. Some say that's the Jewish Christians. They were circumcised believers. And I believe that. I believe, it's, I believe this is the apostles. This is Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. They came at Peter. Uh, they have been circumcised. They're going, hey, that's a Gentile. He's uncircumcised. The issue here is, uh, at first I'm going, is, is the issue fellowship? Well, it, 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 it's a part of it. But the real issue is that these Gentiles had become Christians without first becoming Jewish. Now, you say, Lloyd, how do you, how, where do you get that? Well, you know, verse 18 tells us they, that at the end, they realize God has granted them repentance that leads to life. So that's, they are Christians. And we know from other New Testament letters that this issue was massive, massive issue. The issue was, look, if, if okay, 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 we'll let the Gentiles in. But by golly, they've got to be Jewish first. They need to be converted to Judaism, and then they can be Christian. This is a huge, huge issue that the council at Jerusalem will settle. Now, from the accusation, we get the explanation. First thing to note is this. Um, You know, he wasn't defensive. That's way beyond me. I, I go so defensive. You accuse me of something? Let me tell you. you know, but he just tells them what happened. How about that? Let me just tell you what happened. Here's the explanation he gives. <clears throat> but Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and a 
And in a trance, I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by the four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. When I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time and said, What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy or unclean. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, I love the sovereign work of God. His timing is never off. Three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren, so seven men went with him and also went with me, and we entered the man's house. The man is Cornelius. And he, Cornelius, reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you. Here's the words, by which you will be saved, words of salvation, the gospel, the good news, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. This is pretty massive. Notice Peter says, the Holy Spirit came on them just as he did on us at Pentecost. Room full of Jews at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's upon them because they're saved. Room full of Gentiles in Caesarea, Holy Spirit falls upon them because there's just literally no difference other than the people. He goes on to say, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, who did Peter and the apostles think the you was in that? Think about it. Who did they consider the you when Jesus said it, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Who did they think it was? Themselves. Just themselves. See, they thought it was just, yeah, yeah, of course, Jews, us. No, no, no. See, all of a sudden the light's going on because he's going, they are being baptized. So the you is not just Jews, it's Gentiles in the same way. Therefore, in light of this, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's faith in Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? There's the explanation. God's actions. See, see, it's like God is showing by his own actions. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile when it comes to to salvation. There's nothing, there's no dietary law that a Gentile must do before faith in Christ. There's no legalism, there's no law they need to fulfill before they come to faith in Christ. <coughs> Why was it so difficult for the early church, for Peter and the apostles to, to let go of the law, to let go of the rope of religion? You remember that? Why was it so hard? One of the reasons this was so difficult for them here is they, they believed, but, but the Jew, Jews, Peter included, they were, still, they were still keeping dietary laws. This, this didn't go away quickly. They're still keeping dietary laws. 
I'll say it this way. Legalism is like kudzu. <clears throat> Man, it's hard to get rid of in your life and mine. Now, I do want us to understand theologically, um, you know, well, then why in, the world, why in the world did they have the dietary laws in the first place? Why did God make it so hard? You know, something like that. Let me, let's think about this. I always think about these stories, in the story of the Bible, in the context of the whole story. Can, can we do that? And when we do that, we understand why the laws and why it could be so difficult. You see, God chose to send a Messiah <clears throat> through a nation. And he chose a nation, and you know the nation is, is Israel. Listen, it's not because, they even say it, you see, it's not because they were better, prettier, smarter. But no, it was God's sovereign choice. <clears throat> he chose a nation. <clears throat> and in that nation, he, he required that nation to live in a certain way. Why? Why not live like everyone else? Because God said, this is what it looks like to be in a relationship with a holy God. This is, you know, tangibly what it looks like. You're going to live holy, <clears throat> distinct from the world. You're going to live by my word to you, and then you're going to believe my word and trust me. You need to remain distinct from the world, <clears throat> even as Christians today are in the world and not of the world. You're going to remain distinct because through you, the Messiah is going to come. <clears throat> And the Messiah comes, and Paul will say, in the fullness of time, think about this, thousands of years, Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, Paul says, the laws and the rituals and the food you eat and don't eat, et cetera, et cetera, it's over. It's not needed anymore because Jesus has fulfilled all of it perfectly. He's done that which no man can do. Now, this might help. <clears throat> Around Nashville, you know, if, you know, we were, uh, my kids and I were at a, something several, it was about a year or so ago or more, and I said, you know, let's, look, let's stand outside. We were up on this tall building. I said, let's look around and see what's going on. I said, you know, you can tell how much is going on in the city by how many cranes there are. My goodness, right? And you look around Nashville, now you can't, can't keep count of them. <clears throat> okay, so you're building these giant skyscrapers, these beautiful luxury condos, whatever it may be, hotels. And you put up a crane, and it, literally sometimes the crane's right in the middle of the building as it's going up. And then as the building goes up, you build this scaffolding. It's rather ugly, but you have to have this scaffolding to put the beautiful skin on the building and to do all that, right? Could you imagine building a gorgeous building, and when you're done, you leave the crane, and you leave the scaffolding? What would, you, what would we say about that? What would we think of that? Is that, we'd go, doesn't make any sense. I mean, the point was to build a building. The point was not scaffolding. Y'all, it's the same with the law. Does this help? It's the same with the law. The law and everything in it is pointing towards something greater. It's always pointing toward Jesus. And when Jesus came, the building's done. Take down the scaffolding. Remove the crane. Jesus is all. He's everything, you see. And so, but, but, but again, I, I, have, I have compassion for Peter and the apostles because it's like, but, I mean, we've been using the scaffolding for 2,000 years. I know it's over. It's done. It's not needed anymore. Something greater is here. That's what the law has always pointed to. Well, they and us still have trouble taking down the scaffolding. God is showing Peter and the apostles that 
if I can say it this way, that to require anything of anyone, okay, to require anything of anyone other than faith alone in Christ alone is to actually stand in God's way. So, let me ask you another question. Who in the room wants to stand in God's way? I'm glad nobody raised their hand because we would have to talk, you know, this is not what you want to do. Clearly, you don't want to stand in God's way, but, but, but maybe we do at times when we add anything to the simplicity of faith in Christ. While salvation, y'all, the Bible's clear, but you see, you have to see it in redemptive history. Salvation is to the Jew first. Yes, it is, because Messiah comes through the Jews. But it was never intended to be to the Jew only. Jew first? Yes. Jew only? No. Meant for the world. Okay, accusation, explanation. Transformation, verse 18. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. You notice he didn't say, well, they didn't say, well, clearly the Gentiles have done what they need to do in order to be saved. No. He says, clearly, God has granted to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to faith. What's the repentance that leads to faith? Let me, let me translate that for you. God has granted to the Gentiles belief in Christ, <laughs> repentance that leads to faith, the repentance of turning from their own way and turning to God and saying, I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, were buried and raised again. So that's, they've become believers, and God has granted it as a gift, you all, and so please, please, let us always know our salvation is a gift. It is a gift. You're not smart enough. You're incapable. We're dead in our sin. And God gifted us to believe. Anyone who believes. All of grace. All of grace. Okay, let me offer just two quick lessons and then we're going we're gonna to apply this. Here's the first lesson, if I may say it this way. Persecution will stop the progress of the gospel. Persecution will not stop the progress of the gospel, but prejudice will every time. You see that in the book of Acts? Persecution can't stop the progress of the gospel. In fact, persecution, you guys are waiting for me to trip up here. I know all this stuff around me. Persecution, persecution actually moves the gospel forward. How about that? You want to stop the gospel? What stops the gospel? Prejudice discrimination. It'll stop it every time. And, and again, I just want to say this. We're foolish to think that this church and this person and the person in your chair has no prejudice or discrimination. Foolish to think that. Here's something God might use. I'll offer this as a practical application maybe. Uh, just something you might consider doing. Obviously, anything we do, we do in the fullness of the Spirit. But how about this? Over the, next, over the next week, let's just take a week and let's try this, all of us. Let's see how this God might use it to change our hearts. Every person you meet, I'm talking every person you meet, wherever you are. I mean, there's not going to be a person that you come face to face with, that you talk to on the phone, whatever. Okay, I want you to imagine this with that person. I want you to imagine that they're wearing a lanyard. You see some of the team wearing lanyards around here. Volunteers wear the lanyard, you know, with my name is. I want you to imagine they're all wearing a lanyard. And it says, 
Jesus died for me. So, so when, you, you know, when you're talking to him, you're just going to look down and write, oh, Jesus died for you. Okay, that's, we're just going to put that in our mind, okay? So even when you're talking to, you know, the AT&T person. I'm going to name them all, you know, Verizon, all of them, to drive you crazy. No, you know what I'm saying. It's difficult, and you're frustrated. And you're, you're, going to, you're going to remember, wait, Jesus died for this person. There's not, you will never meet. Here's the point I'm trying to make. You will never meet a person on the planet that Jesus didn't die for. You won't meet them. Even the person we imagined a moment ago, I can't imagine them in heaven. They're so evil. Persecution will not stop the progress of the gospel, but prejudice will every time. How about this? Just a second one to think about. The salvation that comes to us is meant to go through us. The salvation that's, that's gifted to us, salvation that comes to us, is intended, is meant to go through us. <clears throat> Let's not make Israel's mistake a mistake they made. It's, it's for us. Well, it was, yes, 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 that's true. It's for you and through you. Let's not make that mistake. Um, it's, it's the only gift, really, that, that we experience more fully the more we give it away. Isn't that, isn't that a paradox? It's the, it's, it's the one gift that, that in the giving of it, giving of the gift you've given, it, that's how you get to enjoy the gift even more. And I would go this far to say, if your salvation, honestly, if it's a little stale to you, and I'm, I use that word intentionally because there are times in my life when I don't, I'm not that grateful. It's just not alive to me. It's not me. It, it, I, hate, I don't hate to say it, but it's true. There are times when it's, my salvation is, I know I'm going to heaven, yes, and it's just not alive in me. Maybe it happens, maybe that's true with you in seasons. Let me tell you something. We, it becomes experiential to us. We, we, we experience the wonder and the glory and the, the utter sheer magnitude of our salvation when we give that salvation to others. That's, that's a fact. When we are telling others of our salvation that it's for them as well that's when our salvation oh it just it just comes alive in us we cannot help ourselves then we experience the fullness of it see so if you're in this place then i'd say well are you telling are we giving it away god does not save us and put us on a cul-de-sac never Puts us on the freeway. If you don't get anything else today, I would pray you'll get this statement. You have been saved for someone else. You ever think about that? You have been saved for someone else. Why are you still on the planet? Well, because I, I have a job. I have, 
Are you kidding me? There's going to be an eternity with God. He would take you there immediately. No, he's left you here because your salvation is actually for someone else. It's always for someone else. And it's for someone that God puts in your life. Watch this. Not in mine. Do you believe that God orchestrates the history of the world to such minute detail that he would, he would actually put certain people in your life, not in mine, so that you, having been saved, could share the gospel with that particular person? At a partic- Do you, I mean, really, are you kidding me? God really does that? Oh my gosh, what did we just read? He's still doing it. You and I have been saved, but we've been saved for someone else. Close up your Bibles. Pick up your pen, whatever you need, because you're getting ready to do something that you are not going to come back to your chair. Um, So you need to prepare yourself to leave. Now, here's what we know. Because Jesus came, there are no stanchions. There there are no off-limits. They don't exist. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. It's amazing in the Bible how many times the Bible speaks of a feast, of a meal. There's really in the, in the, in the, that culture in biblical times, there's no greater picture of intimacy and fellowship and acceptance. We're one we're together, than a meal. And how about this? So God, Jesus gives us an ordinance, a command, and says, I want you to practice this ordinance. It's called the Lord's table. And um, I didn't lie. I said the meal was going to be for somebody today. It's y'all. And it's today still, later today, later from when I said it, so... This table, this table is for you, okay? It's for you. And we're going to take the Lord's table today. We're going to come up and we're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup. And we're going to celebrate it. I want to invite the, the band to come out because they're going to lead us. This is going to take a little time. Some, that's why we're here, okay? Um, the gospel is for any, all, and every. Any, all, and every. I want you to say that with me. Any, all, and every. Just say it one more time. Any, all, and every. There are no stanchions. There are no off limits. You're tall enough. You know, you're... Because Christ is tall enough. <laughs> because Christ is righteous. And we've believed and we're clothed in his righteousness. I want you to think about something as we do this. and We have the time we're doing this. I want you to think about, number one, let's come with grateful hearts. You're going to stand in line for a while to get up here. and I want you to stand with a heart of gratitude if you know Christ. By the way, this table is open to any who've put their faith in Christ. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried and raised again on the third day, and you trust he did it for you, you're welcome to the table. Come grateful. 
I also want you to come in this way. When you come to this table, I want you to be mindful that God saved you for someone else. Who are you bringing to the table? See, that's why you're still on the planet, is to bring people to this table. That's why I'm on the planet. So you may be thinking about the people we've been praying for that come to faith. and Maybe, maybe God stirs something you do that you want to share with them and speak to them. But who, who else, who do you bring to this table? Because God wants them at the table. If you don't know Christ, okay, you're in this room, you don't know Christ, that's fantastic, you're in the room. God clearly at work in your life for you to even be here. Can I tell you this? From where you're sitting to this table, you can believe. I, I mean this, I'm not being silly. If you, in your heart, go, you know, today's the day. I, I, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and raised. He's, he's my Lord. Jesus, just tell him, believe it. And you understand you're born again in that moment. And from the moment you walk from there to here, you can take the bread and the cup. And please do. If you, you don't and you don't know Christ, I'm going to invite you still. to. Everyone's coming. Just you get this. Everyone's coming to this table. But if you don't know Christ, then no, you, you wouldn't take the bread and the cup. But you wouldn't take it because you have not yet believed. Okay. But man, what I want you at the table just to see it, just to... Observe to stand with those you've come to church with, maybe. Just come on up, okay? If you're a guest of ours today, I know you're thinking, when's it going to end? When am I going to come and not, they're not going to make me do something? Well, listen, I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I'm not going to ask you to greet one another. I'm just going to ask you to walk up here and come to this table and, and then uh, take the bread and the cup if you're a Christian. What you're going to do is come up here and there's going to be a line and Joe is going to be here and someone at the end and we're going to... What I want you to do is line up at the table, as many as we can get around the table, probably 30, 40 people. You will take the bread and the cup right here at the table, and then you will turn and you're going to exit. And this is why I'm saying you're, you're leaving after this, and you're going to walk down these stairs, and you're going to walk along this wall, and you're going to walk all the way down that wall, and you're going to go out that door, and I'm asking that you not go out the side door. So this is how we will exit the service today. Everybody clear on what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it? Let's pray. If um, you've got, I know Jeannie got a wheelchair and someone maybe on a cane or something, please know you come up here and we will bring the bread and cup to you and you can still walk around. You don't have to get up on the stage. Father, thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, your come is to any, all, and every and you don't say, clean up, dress up. No, you just say, come. Come to the cross. Come to Jesus. And that's what we do. You tell us that when we partake of the Lord's table, we are remembering what Jesus has done, and we are proclaiming that he's coming again. And so that's what we do over these next 15 minutes. Whether we're sitting or standing or partaking, we're remembering we're proclaiming. And we're mindful that we're taking this bread and cup because there's someone, because there are others that you have kept us on this planet so that we might bring them to this table. I am going to let me dismiss you to come up here. So I will do it by sections and everyone else just remain seated. I'm going to move from this side all the way to that side for this table.